I want to introduce you to a delightful young lady. Uh, Natalie Bootmiller. Bootmiller is here every time we have a work project. We were having this big cleanup day. We're carrying stuff. I look over and here's Natalie carrying stuff. The other night after the light show, we were moving all the stuff inside and I saw these tiny little feet on the other side of this big thing we were carrying. I looked down. Here she was. Great lady. What, 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 what makes you do that stuff? Your mother or do you just do it by yourself? I just do it by myself. She does it by herself. Uh, Natalie's mother is, is Sarah Butte Miller, uh, or she runs the joint here. She's the one who keeps everything going. And uh, how old are you? I'm 14. 14. So what would that make you as a grade in school? I'm in ninth grade at Xavier. Ninth grade. Is that like, that's first year of high school? First year of high school, yeah. Wow. Wow. And you would never brag about this, but your mother brags about you a lot, that you're a pretty smart girl. Well, that's not the right way to put it. You study hard, don't you? I do There study you go. Hard. That's what it is. Yes, it takes both. It takes both. And, and uh, you're a, uh, uh, you study ballet. Mm-hmm. I have for, I think it's 13 years now. 13 years. So since I was just a baby. <laughs> do you do that stuff on your toes? Mm-hmm. Does it I hurt? Have, it does hurt. It does. I've been on point for two years. Wow. Yeah. Now, you, you hear a lot of really kind of high-class music with ballet. I mean, it's not country music stuff. Well, not really. We had, like, the little iPod with our classical music. <laughs> you, so you like classical music, too? Mm-hmm. Wow. And yesterday, you and your mom were down at the mission mm-hmm. volunteering. And how do you like, is that good? you like that? I always love volunteering at the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission because not only are the volunteers very helpful and kind, but a lot of the kids and families that come in are just they're so happy huh. to be given something, wow. and you can actually help and make a difference, and you can see it. Wow. Would it be inappropriate for me to give you a little hug? No. Hi, sir. All right. Thank you, baby. Okay. I wanted you to meet Natalie for two reasons. First, she's a delightful young lady. And second, she is the age Mary was when the angel came and told her she was going to have a baby. We're going to be talking about Mary. Mary, did you know? What did Mary know? But as we talk about Mary, I don't want you to think of a 20-something, 30-something person. Mary was probably somewhere between 13 and 15 years old because that's the age at that time that uh, young women were married. So as we talk about Mary, I want you to picture this delightful young lady here as what Mary would have been like in many ways. I spent all week with Mary, delightful week, reading about this young woman who God had so wonderfully chosen Uh, And as we read about her story, we read two portions. We read about the angel's announcement to her that she was going to have a baby. And Luke, embedded in that narrative, reasons without actually stating them, but reading as as an informed reader, we see many reasons why God chose Mary. And then we read the birth narrative, and we see more reasons why God chose this delightful young woman. And we read Mary's song, the the, uh, the, uh, Magnificat, 
And we see more reasons. So Luke embedded throughout these stories, the three stories of the, the announcement to Mary, then her own song that she sang to God in praise of, of, of uh, the wonderful deed he had done for her, and then in the birth narrative, we see uh, over and over again why God chose Mary. First, the announcement. If you have your Bible, uh, turn to Luke chapter 1. This is such beautifully written material. And if you read it, understanding narrative literature, how the narrator, how the writer uses story and uses facts and put facts together, we're going to be seeing some of that, that he makes a message that we don't see if we don't read it carefully. This is verse 26, Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Remember last week we looked at John the Baptist, and Elizabeth was John the Baptist's mother. And, and she had a miraculous uh, birth as well. And so in the sixth month of her pregnancy, uh, uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And we're going to see David's name come up over and over again in this story because the fact that Jesus was an heir of David is critical to the story. Joseph was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, that's not a daily occurrence to 14-year-old girls. For an angel to come and say, Hey, babe. <laughs> greetings. The Lord is with you. So, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Whoa, what is this? But, but as we read the narrative down through, we see that this, this statement of Mary being deeply troubled, greatly troubled at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, what kind of a, a message this might be, that same wonder and that same uh, intellectual interaction with what is going on uh, follows all the way down through this story. Mary was deeply troubled, and she wondered she wondered. The word wondered is, is a, a word, uh, we get our word logic and logistics and dialogue from this word. It says, Mary, and, it, and it means to think deeply, to wrestle with ideas. And then we read uh, further down that Mary uh, wondered, verse um, 66, everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what's going on. And we read in Mary, verse 19, chapter 2, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And, and we, we, we read over and over again that Mary thought deeply about things. Mary was very engaged. We heard Natalie say she does well in school. She thinks. And this young woman was capable, had this great mental capacity. She wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So he repeated that idea of Mary finding favor with God. And then he dropped this bombshell. You will conceive and give birth to a son. What? Now she's really wondering. Now she's really troubled. So he dropped that bomb, you will have a son. But then he went on to talk about this son a little bit. And he said, you are to call him Jesus. Yeshua, which means Savior. Huh. I'm supposed to call 
this son I'm going to have while I'm a virgin, Jesus? This gets more complicated as we go. He will be great. Well, that's good news. My kid is going to be great. I mean, every mother in here figured that out for herself, that their child would be great. But here's the angel is telling, he'll be great. And then he will be called the Son of the Most High. So not only great, but now we're getting theological overtones here. Son of the Most High? And then he went on, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Ah, oh, what? That can only mean one thing. Son of the Most High, throne of Father David. Her mind goes back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, the Davidic covenant, where God promised David that someday in the future, one of your descendants will be the great Messiah. He will rule the world with peace and love and justice. Mary, your baby, will have the throne of David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants. Jacob's descendants. Who are they? Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. The 12 tribes of Israel. Wow. So he will not only fulfill the Davidic covenant, he also now, you're talking about the Abrahamic covenant. My son, my son, all these things. He will rule over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Oh, it leaves you kind of breathless. But look what Mary focused on, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Okay, I get all the theology. That's all interesting. But let's get back to the basics here, buddy. How <laughs> am I going to have a baby? Well, I'm not married. I'm a virgin. What in the world are you talking about? Well, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And no word from God will ever fail. Now Mary's trying to choke all this down. She's trying to figure out all this means. And what it means is, and what it meant was, her parents had to go to Joseph and say, our daughter Mary was engaged to you, but she's pregnant. And Joseph Matthew 1.18 tells us, had to figure out what's the right thing to do here. Being a good and honorable man, he decided to divorce her quietly. And the awful shame Mary would have to endure. To decide, do you just say, I'm an unmarried, pregnant woman? Or do you say, well, no, 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 an angel came, and the angel made me pregnant. Well, actually, it's the Holy Spirit, and this son's going to be born. He's the Davidic Messiah. 
And people would say, okay, Mary, go home and drink a warm glass of milk and find a nice quiet place to rest while your parents find you a good psychiatrist. You don't really expect us to believe that cockamamie story. This was a beautiful, beautiful conversation with the angel. It exalted Mary to a position that no woman on this planet ever did or ever will experience. The highest imaginable privilege to give birth to the Son of God. And every time we call Jesus the Son of God, we also remember he is the Son of Mary. But for all of that beautiful truth, all of that privilege, all of that honor, there's still the nasty reality that people talk and people don't believe stories like that. And then... Luke dropped this little phrase in there. He's, well, he told us Mary's response. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Almost kind of a whatever. I am your servant. I don't get this. I am scared. I am devastated. I am thrilled all at the same time. And then Luke added to that verse. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May a word be to, to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Oh, you drop a hydrogen bomb into the middle of my life, and then you leave me? Have you ever been left when you're terrified? When your heart is breaking and you're left, the angel left her. And then, immediately, Luke tells us, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, in the John story, the John the Baptist story, we understand Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. Doesn't say what kind of relative, but she was much older, probably an aunt. So I'm going to refer to her as Aunt Elizabeth. Now, here's Mary, this devastating reality. She's lost her uh, engaged husband. He's divorced her. Her parents have been humiliated. She has been devastated and humiliated. And the angel has left her, so she thinks, I need somebody I can talk to. I'll go to Aunt Elizabeth. Now, I, I, I have this picture as Mary came into Elizabeth's home, Aunt Elizabeth. Mary's sitting there trying to figure all this out. I see Elizabeth come over and just take Mary's head in her hands like this. And just a tender, loving kiss on the head. It says, Mary, I don't know how the world is dealing with this, but you're safe here. Me and your uncle Zechariah, we love you. And if anybody's going to hurt you, they're going to have to hurt us first. 
You're safe here. I have an Aunt Elizabeth. He's in heaven now. Haddon Robinson. Haddon was a dear mentor and friend. And Haddon, on his wall in his office, had a framed saying. It says, oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with the person. Having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words, but to let them pour out in full wheat and chaff together knowing that a loving hand will take them, sort them, keep what is important, and with a breath of kindness, blow the rest away. Thank God that little Mary had Uncle, uh, Aunt Elizabeth. And my prayer and my hope for every person in this room that you have an Aunt Elizabeth. where you feel safe, where you can say any thought and feel safe, knowing that that person will keep what is important and with the breath of kindness blow the rest away. My other prayer and hope for you is that you will be an Aunt Elizabeth because we all need them. We all need them. And so don't miss the beautiful, beautiful drama Luke didn't have to drop that story in there about Elizabeth. The story would have gone just as well without it. So why did he put it in there? I think his message to us is the world needs Aunt Elizabeth. And then Luke moved on to this the story of, of Mary's song after her visit with Elizabeth. She came to Elizabeth distraught, troubled, after she had visited with Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Aunt Elizabeth makes a difference in her life. And then Luke moved on. He told the story of John the Baptist's birth. <coughs> Pardon me. And then we come to Luke 2. Chapter 1, one of the, the famous Christmas story. And let me read the verse 7 verses of that to you. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town together to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. See, Luke just keeps dropping that in there. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. You know, they wrapped him in cloths, and they were lying in a manger, and you can look at it here. Interesting phraseology that Luke used. Jesus was born. Mary gave birth. Jesus had the easy part. Now, all of us were born. But you never hear anybody talk about, yeah, I remember that. 
Man, that was a tough time coming out of that womb. That was really hard work. No, I, I don't remember that event in my life. I've never talked about it. But I've heard a lot of women talk about having a baby. That ain't so much fun. But Mary did all the work. Jesus was born, and Luke says, but let's look at Mary again. Now, Mary had just ridden 70 to over 70 miles, either riding on a donkey or walking, while nine months pregnant. Then she delivers a baby. Then Luke shifts over to the beautiful story of the shepherds and the angels, and angels told the heavenly host, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to men. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go and see this baby. So here's Mary, 75 miles, nine months pregnant, gives birth to a baby, finally getting some rest. A bunch of shepherds come and say, hey, we'd like to see the baby. Nida said, hey, good grief, guys. Go find something else. She's tired. Leave her alone. But after the visit with the shepherds and they had gone away, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Welcome, shepherds. Come on in, guys. See my baby. See the face of God. This is one beautiful young lady. She pondered them. She thought about it. She reasoned with it. Well, then the story goes on about Jesus growing up, and, and we read in uh, verse 39 of chapter 2, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, speaking now of taking him to the temple at, on the eighth day and having him circumcised, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. I wonder where he got that wisdom from. Has Luke given us any clues about where Jesus might have learned wisdom? He said, well, he was the son of God. Yeah, and he was also the son of Mary. Now, when Jesus was 12, Luke tells us, uh, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. So they did their big feast at Passover. They're all heading back up north to Galilee, to Nazareth. And about three days into that journey, somebody says, where's Jesus? Oh, nobody knew. I mean, this is like a big family thing, a big crowd. So Jesus, they figured, was in the group somewhere. Well, Jesus wasn't there. So Mary and Joseph had to turn around and go back to Jerusalem. And they found Jesus in the temple. The, the great teachers were asking him questions. And, and, and they told him, hey, man, what are you doing? Why, we were, uh, why were you uh, wait a minute, he said, uh, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Hmm. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went back to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Luke connected to that statement, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. See it over and over again. 
over and over again, this incredible woman raised her little baby boy to be wise, to have good stature, to be healthy, and to be, find favor with God and with other people. Delightful young lady. If we look at her song, the way she responded, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. The reason God chose Mary, I think, is summarized in three statements. Verse 38, Mary responded to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled, as tough as it is. No matter how beautiful, it is God's will. I'm obviously God's servant. I am favored of God, but my life just went into the dumpster. Sometimes it's that way. Following God and serving God sometimes is a tough task. My challenge to me and to you is to be like Mary. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled no matter what it takes. Years later, Mary's son would be praying to his father. And he would say, Father, if possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I wonder where he learned that. I wonder where he learned that. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then after she had visited with Elizabeth, Aunt Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, Blessed is the one who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So first is to say, I am your servant, Lord. I'm here. Your will, not mine. And then as we live our lives, for people to say of us, this person believes that the Lord will do what God says he will do. Only then can we say with Mary, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He is my Lord. I trust him. And no matter how difficult things get, my soul rejoices in God my Savior. Mary, did you know that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know 
your baby boy when one day rule the nations did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect land that sleeping child you're holding is the In this week before Christmas, let's keep in mind Mary's words. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And share that news. People are talking about Jesus. People are seeing scenes of Jesus. But you know, a whole bunch of these people who see the scenes and sing the songs don't have a clue what Jesus is all about. Mary's song said, Jesus came to change my life, the first movement in the Magnificat. My son will change my life. And as he changes my life, I will be in a position to help others change their lives. And the second movement in Mary's song is all about a new world that Jesus is bringing into reality through you and me. And then the third movement of Mary's song is all of this is happening because God is fulfilling the promises he made to Abraham and Sarah and to David all those years ago. The Messiah, the Savior, has come. And he's commissioned us to help people understand what that means. Let's not fail to take advantage of this wonderful season when the name of Jesus is on people's minds and hearts and help them understand what the name of Jesus means. Father, thank you that Mary's son changed her life, and he has changed our lives. If anyone is in Christ, she is a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. And through us, Lord, you are changing the world around us as we are a force and a message for good and for Christ. And you are fulfilling the promises you made. Help us, O oh Lord, to live what we believe. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We would love to pray with you today at the end of our service. We'll have Stephen's ministers over in the corner. Let's stand together and sing rejoicing. He rules the world with truth and grace. Joy to the world. of his love and wonders wonders 